One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to On the Continent at the World Cup. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Nikki Bandini. On this edition, how did the Brazilians of Europe beat the real Brazilians at their own World Cup game? Talking of penalty shootouts, let's talk about that free kick when the Argy-Bargies of Europe took on Messi and his merry Argentinian men, and which will lead us nicely to Ronaldo, of course. Can Portugal do what Spain failed to do to Morocco? First of all, some devastating news came out from Qatar last night. The US football journalist Grant Wall passed away at the Argentina versus Netherlands game. Early reports suggest that he may have had a heart attack. He was 48 years old. Andy and Nicky, you knew Grant Wall. What can you tell us about him? It's something that's really hard to take in, Dotton. It's a, a genuine shock. Um, he was someone who was so involved with the game. And when you look at him coming from a, a US perspective, I, I think that's very important because he was someone who had respect all over the world. But, you know, he spent a, a long time enthusiastically um, building the game in, in the States. And he did that whilst still touching on big issues that had relevance for the for, for the whole football world so he had this kind of dual purpose and he took it on with such incredible energy you always felt as if he had time for you he was a he was a really warm person on the occasions that that, that I met him 
and uh, I, I feel lucky to have enjoyed his, his, his company and his work and it's, it's just very very sad, sad for his friends and family yeah I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling a little bit this morning um, I, was, I was completely sort of caught cold by this news in the morning although I know now that some people saw him being tended to by paramedics in the stadium um, Grant was just one of the most wonderful souls that I've come across in football journalism honestly he was someone who everyone who works in football loves football but I think Grant loved it in a way that sort of just uplift his, his whole focus in life was seemed to be uplifting football and uplifting anyone who wanted to work in this space uh, everyone who came across him shares the same stories about him he he wanted to promote work that helped football, anything that helped football, that made it a sort of more inclusive environment, that made it a more positive environment, that helped it to grow in America in particular, because that's where he was. Um, anybody who was doing that work, he was reaching out to and trying to help and, and going out of his way to do things for. He was an extremely warm, positive person. Um, he was also an, an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. He earlier at this World Cup um, was sort of posting about being detained outside one of the stadiums because he was trying to enter wearing a rainbow shirt. And I think it just spoke to to who he was as a person in, in every area of his life. He was a very principled person and always, again, trying to to push for a more inclusive and, and welcoming and, and shared football that was for everyone. And I, I, I might... I might cry again this morning. I can't promise I won't. Um, Grant is someone who was tremendous to me personally and I've only seen him be a hugely positive influence within football and it's, it's devastating that we've lost him at not even 50 years old. see football brings us all together for whatever reason sometimes as journalists we're going there to as you've both suggested actually you know to interpret the game for other people but we have a relationship don't we with footballers but also with other football fans and that's what brings communities like the football ramble and you know in this case um, on the continent together when we say on a weekly basis that you can get in touch with us at any time. We really mean it. You know, we're, we're all part of this um, amazing community of football lovers. So you can tweet us at any time at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel and at Nikki Bandini. As Anxious Elm has done, our Croatia, and by the way, Almost everybody is talking about this. Are Croatia the international football equivalent of the Terminator? They just don't stop. They don't get tired. You think you've got them and they pop up again. Andy. You know what, Elm? I'm going to slightly take issue with that. I think they do get tired, but they get through it. I think that's the amazing thing about Croatia. The fact that this performance, and it was a Herculean performance against, if not the best team in the tournament, pretty close, and most people's favourites in Brazil, who 
there, there, there was a lot of nonsense about how Brazil were going to give Croatia a real caning beforehand. I, I never really felt that was on the cards because we've seen Croatia and the way they play the game on their own terms, even when it's least promising to do so. We saw that at the last World Cup. We've seen it here. Um, they've lost a lot of experience since the last World Cup, as we've said before. You know, seeing Mario Mandzukic on the bench thinking, you know, can't you wear the number 26 shirt? Because they haven't really got anyone to re- replace him, despite Bruno Pekovic's eventual contribution. Um, no Rakitic, uh, no Daniel Subasic. Th- th- these are huge losses in terms of experience and yet they have the best midfield in the tournament which I've I've said all along Modric is playing at a level that is better than the level that he had when he won the Ballon d'Or I mean the extraordinary thing for me is so much has been in this World Cup about the legacy of um, Messi Ronaldo Neymar to a, a, a certain extent what if this was Luka Modric's World Cup? You know, maybe maybe it could be. I'm, I'm not saying Croatia are favourites or, or anything like that. But already, he's he is actually a better player than he was four years ago. He's been so good for Real Madrid in the last couple of years. 37 in September. He's got two very experienced midfielders around him in Marcelo Brozovic, who obviously Nicky knows very well, and Mateo Kovacic, who are experienced but not old because they're nearly a decade, they're both nearly a decade, Modric's junior. Um, And they've got these young players coming through as well. And what it meant is they could provide like this multifaceted approach to the game. So they pressed in the early stages and took Brazil by surprise. They knew not to knacker themselves out by sitting off a little bit. And they they knew that there would be this spell as there was in the second half when Brazil had a a load of chances and um, Livakovic, their goalkeeper, really showed up. And, of course, he made an influence on the, the, the shootout as well. So they knew that there would be easy bits, tough bits, bits where they dominated, bits where they didn't in the game. They took all that into account and they dealt with it, as they always do. Andy's got it spot on, hasn't he? Um, they beat the favourites and they're a relatively senior team, very respectfully. But, wow, every time they come on the pitch... You can't bet against them, Nikki. Yeah, I mean, to, to pick up on the initial question about the Terminator, I think if there is one player in the team who maybe does embody that, it for me it is Brozovic because Brozovic, um, I think he, he he ran 16 kilometers against Japan. He ran almost the same again in this game. <laughs> every game he seems to set a new record. He's always literally every game seems to be the player who who covers the most ground on the pitch, despite being this sort of character off the pitch where Dejan Lovren was saying before the World Cup final last time out he ate two kilos of salami and two croissants and drank a Coca-Cola <laughs> he's, he's got this sort of bizarre reputation of being sort of um just like, that's why he's the Terminator almost not human in the way that he sort of is able to just keep going and going and going um despite perhaps being a, a quite He's got the sort of chaotic edge as a personality. He's a chaotic personality, but he doesn't look like it when he's on the football pitch. When he's on the football pitch, he, he becomes this very ordered personality and is such an important, reliable presence for them. And, and, and is the same at Inter, is someone who just provides a platform for a team around him to, to succeed. Um, but there's there's just 
there's so many bits to pull out of why the team is brilliant because yes Brozovic in his relentlessness is is brilliant and I and I agree with Andy that that midfield is is probably the best midfield three in the tournament certainly the way it's it's played at this tournament um but then that's how much of that is down to the manager Dalic and and putting players in the right position to succeed all the time which he does and and who would have who in there right mind would have imagined that in a quarter final between Brazil and Croatia that the defining player of the first half at least would be Scottish Premier League right back Juranovic who is sort of pushing Rodrigo and um and, and Alexandra down that flank and, and completely owning the right side of the pitch in a way that I don't think anyone would have guessed I certainly wouldn't have guessed that he was going to to have that sort of influence and be able to to drive Brazil back on that flank and prevent them from getting any forward momentum. Um, and then, of course, Livakovic, who, who Andy's mentioned. And funnily enough, I, I, I sort of feel like even here we could bring it back to Luka Modric, who, of course, is going to be the one who we, we bring everything back to, I think, on the pitch a lot because he's brilliant. But there's this video that's um, been sort of doing the rounds again today about um, Modric's um, there was a FIFA documentary series, The Captains, and there's a, a a scene in it from during their qualifying campaign because Levakovic got dropped before the game against Russia because he was struggling. And Modric sits down with him and says, look, you know, I don't know what's what's up with you. you. You're not projecting confidence. And he says to him, you know, you can make a mistake. Like, it's okay to make mistakes. Everyone's going to make mistakes. But um, you don't need to take it so personally. You know, you need to just sort of be able to still share that confidence with the team. And you look at Levakovic in this tournament and it is that, anything sort of more commanding looking than that goalkeeper when he's on his line in that penalty shootout, the certainty that you've got that he's going to save a penalty again, that that feeling was there before it even started. So even that, even there in the goalkeeper, perhaps the hand of Modric, who I think had a hand in almost everything good that Croatia did. How could Brazil not have known that you don't take Croatia to a penalty shootout. It's four out of four <laughs> now. For goodness sake, do your research. You've got to win the game in normal time. I know Croatia <laughs> equalised in final seconds, but you should have scored before that, is what I'm trying to say. Put the game to bed. I really take your point there, Dotton. And they had to... That's a bang on the door and then some to, to get through. Not just because of Livakovic, but um, in Joško Gvardiol, they've got one of the best defenders of the tournament who will end up in the Premier League either in January or, or, or next summer, probably next summer, I would imagine, with Chelsea. Um, it's, it's just a terrific player. Um, he made it really hard for Richarlison to, to get involved and they had to try something else. They had to try Pedro in, in, instead. And it took... this will probably be forgotten in the annals of time because of how it ended up but it took a brilliant 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 goal from Neymar to to crack it open and yet they still managed to come back from that now if you're asking Dotton how did Brazil not close it out from there I think that's an excellent question because there have been a few times when I think we've been just taken really by surprise by not just the quality, but the narrative of the football in this tournament. And there've been a few times when teams who really should know better have been done on the counter-attack. Of all the many things that Croatia can do, 
I'm not sure you should be conceding a counter-attack goal to them. And the, the, the small gap in time to when Brazil lose the ball about 10 yards from the Croatian penalty box to the, bo- the point where Pekovic, who at that point has had an awful game, by the way, he's not doing anything that they need him to do. He can't hold the ball up. He keeps losing it. And then he, he pops up with this goal. It's not a goal that Brazil should be conceding. But I do wonder, we've looked at Brazil since the top of the tournament. I know we all have and said, on paper, it looks really top heavy. It has worked because Pakatar puts in the hard yards, despite being a flair player. Neymar puts in the hard yards when he gets the opportunity. But of course, Neymar's carrying this injury. Now, on, on one hand, it makes it even more extraordinary that he scores the goal he does to crack the game open. On the other hand, when they've not got the ball, and it's often not acknowledged what hard worker Neymar is for the team, he can't do it because he's 65, 70% Neymar. He's not fit Neymar. If this is PSG's regular season, he's not playing at the moment. It's only because it's a World Cup that he's actually playing. And I dare say, I was saying to someone earlier, if when we get back to the 1st of January and the league campaign starts up again for PSG at Lens, which is going to be a cold night there in Northern France, I would bet my last pound that Neymar won't be playing at that because he needs a couple of weeks off. We're also betting our last pound that he won't be playing at the next World Cup. He's said himself that he expects this one to be his last. Nicky, when you look back, despite what Andy says about this match, he's not to blame for the uh, loss to Croatia, but he's now got a legacy, as great a player as he is, a legacy in Brazilian terms, anyway, uh, a legacy that won't match up to those who have won World Cups. Yeah, I, I think it's it's so complicated with World Cup legacies because in the end, it is a tournament that happens once every four years. And then when you get to the knockout stage of it, all sorts of things can happen. Um, I think Croatia were brilliant in this game, but they still equalised with a deflected goal. They still equalise with a goal that, that that has to take a, a particular deflection off Marquinhos to beat Alisson, who who otherwise might have stopped it, and and that can completely change the whole story of of, of Neymar in the World Cup. I don't think it has to be his last World Cup. He's he's what he's thirty, and look at Luka Modric, who's thirty seven, playing opposite him. Look at Leo Messi, who's thirty five and playing his. Um, best World Cup ever. Leo Messi hadn't scored a World Cup knockout round goal until this tournament. So the idea that um, that you should define someone's whole career by their World Cups is, is kind of ridiculous because no one would have before this tournament doubted that Leo Messi belongs in the conversation for the very best footballers of all time. But certainly, I think in, as you were framing it, the, the sort of the history of Brazilian football, as a country that has won five World Cups, that, that has done that more than anyone else, the, the ones who get remembered will be the ones who win it. And I think for that reason, domestically Neymar's legacy perhaps will, will be affected if, if he doesn't manage to, to go and do that. And perhaps also it, it's just that thing that's always been the case for Neymar. Neymar has been a very, very good footballer, but he's lived in the shadow of the end of the... Um, Cristiano Ronaldo and Leo Messi sort of duopoly of just being the best two players on the planet 
And so he'd have had to do something to shake out of that, to make his sort of own name resonate in the same way that theirs will. And it, and this was one platform on which he could have done that because they haven't won it yet. And so if he'd gone ahead and won it, then that would have given him something different. But look, I, I, I think... Um, I think the idea that this is definitely his last World Cup, I'm I'm a little sceptical of that. Ask again in two years' time or three years' time how he feels about it because we've already seen with, with Messi indeed that you can retire from international football and change your mind about it and make some pretty good things happen after that decision. He's no Luka Modric though. Um, you were making, you know, you were saying look at Luka Modric. He's no Luka Modric. Arguably... Arguably, and I love your comparison, actually, because we could say he's the Andy Murray of football, you know, just the wrong era, as it were, when you've got two other great tennis names to compete with. Um, But Lionel Messi, the one of those uh, two great footballers that uh, Neymar's lived in the shadow of, and he is older than Neymar, seems to be getting better and better with age the question though did Argentina deserve to win that match against the Netherlands Andy Uh, just about I think I think you look at they they had um the best chances in in extra time it felt to me that the Netherlands had spent all their efforts getting back into it in, in in normal time and we didn't really see much of them in extra time and of course the way in which they approached it um and I don't want to say 1980s Wimbledon, but yeah, all right. I do want to say 1980s Wimbledon. <laughs> I am going to say 1980s Wimbledon. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute, I'm sure. It, it meant they didn't have the guile or craft on, on the pitch to do anything but the physical side of the game once once it got to extra time, which I, I, I think was a, a thing. Um, I mean, Tim Vickery, our good pal, has suggested for a while that Messi has been calibrating his physical efforts perfectly to be 100% ready for this World Cup. I don't think there's been anything in this World Cup to disprove Tim's theory at all. Because you look at him, and we've spoke about it before, having a brilliant preseason, very good first half of the season for PSG. I still don't feel that this is... This this is peak Messi. This is just very good Messi. Of course, that could still be enough to, to, to win a World <laughs> Cup. And when we were talking about Modric before, I think when you look at... Say if you put um, Messi and Ronaldo next to Modric, Modric is better than, uh, at this age than than either of them are. He is his best version of himself. That, that Neither of them are their best versions of themselves, to, to varying degrees, obviously, because Cristiano Ronaldo is... is in far from great nick at the moment but with Messi what we are seeing is his intelligence in sparing his efforts in using himself in the right way and Argentina a a little bit like Portugal in Euro 2016 gently calibrating a system that is far from a perfect system I don't think they've been great this World Cup at all but they are just about getting a system that requires their star to do as little running as possible and to be effective in the areas where he can be effective. I do think there is a a sort of collective sense of people want to be touched by the hand of God, so they are being touched by the hand of God. There's a lot of talk about how Messi's playing brilliantly this tournament. I think he's playing very well. it's, It's not peak Messi. It's really not. But of course, we are seeing him 
finally make decisive contributions at a World Cup and it's working for the moment. With Messi, I think sort of my sort of feelings about him have often been reflected back in, in the old Arsene Wenger comments about PlayStation football, which for some reason was one of those comments that just sort of stayed about, <laughs> stayed with me about Messi. You know, the, the back in 2010 when he took Arsenal to pieces and Wenger described it as PlayStation football. And the goal that that Molina scored to open the scoring in this game I mean to me it's it's not even PlayStation football it's 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 like um old sensible soccer for those old enough to know it where you can see everything from the top <laughs> down because there's no other way he can see that pass there's no other way that you can see the angle of that pass other than sort of seeing the pitch view from straight above to recognize that 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 player is there he's he's coming across the pitch and not looking there. And I don't know how he even knows that Melina, I mean, I suppose you could, you could know by repetition that someone's going to make that run, but how to judge their position then well enough to be able to, to play it so softly straight into their feet, exactly where they need it to be. And, and Andy's right. This isn't the best Leo Messi we've ever seen because the best Leo Messi we've ever seen probably is, five or six years ago and and isn't coming back to exactly that that point again because of age and everything else but what he does do in in the suppose a similar way to Modric is just see the pitch in a way that the mortals can't just see the pitch and, and understand the angles in a way that that I was going to say 99 out of 100 but it's much more than that footballers simply don't see it um and then on top of that, have the technical ability to, to put it where it needs to go. I think that's absolutely right, Nikki. I mean, you talked about being able to see it from above. You think true genius on a football pitch is being able to execute a pass that you can only see from outside the game. I don't think anyone outside the game can see that pass even. I think you're looking at it from above and it basically dissects four players. It's it's an absolutely extraordinary piece of of, of football. But I, I think the thing that, that, that really gripped me about this game, um, I think in terms of quality, it was quite a long way behind Croatia versus Brazil. I, I, I really believe that. And I, I think... Neither of these teams are, are the equal of, of, of those two teams. But what really struck me, Don, when we were talking about it earlier off air, is you were talking about the way to Argentina's soft spot is is, is winding them up. Uh, they, they wound themselves up pretty well during this game. And we saw so much of it afterwards. We saw that sort of set to by the benches after Leandro Paredes like smashed a ball into the Dutch bench and they were rightly pretty annoyed and how there wasn't a red card after that I really don't know um, we saw Messi get away with one because he got away with that deliberate handball on the halfway line before he later got booked we saw afterwards Messi gobbing off at Veghorst and being sort of called to order by the interviewer when he was in the tunnel doing doing the flash and and we saw Emmy Martinez who should have been celebrating just uh, struggling to contain his his rage against the perceived wrongs of the referee against Van Hal who he said should keep his mouth shut etc it's if if you haven't seen it it's an extraordinary one minute of film this uh martinez interview this emmy martinez interview um and i I just wonder you know we've always talked about argentina needing the emotional control to 
to, to, to get through that. It's, it's a really fine balance, I think, because you look at the mania by the, the most lively fans at the World Cup who've been brought over in their numbers. It's a 17-hour flight from BA to Doha, remember? And a lot of that, as David Cartledge was saying the other day, has been paid for by the Argentinian FA one way or another. They kind of need the mania. They need the emotion around Messi. But it's a bit of a tightrope act, isn't it? Well, the one thing that uh, I think we it's safe to say is this was the uh, game with all the drama. Um, well, who knows what will come out of this. But Louis van Gaal, we have to pay a, a tribute to him, I suppose. The uh, man who has taken uh, the Netherlands to great World Cup heights. And in terms of his international legacy Nicky is he leaving on a high you know he got 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 Holland the Netherlands to a quarter final uh, in a world cup that maybe they weren't even really quarter final material for yeah I I, am I don't know about leaving on a high certainly leaving I felt like on um the most um Louis van Gaal way possible (laughs) sort of reminding us at the end that Still, nobody has beaten him at a World Cup inside um, uh, not just 90 minutes, but 120 minutes. No one's beaten him outside of a penalty shootout. And um, and I think, I think what, is it 14 wins out of 20 in charge with the other six being draws? It is an extraordinary record. He has an extraordinary international record. Um, but um, I, I, I really sort of enjoyed his, also his sort of follow-up comment about you know, what's going to happen in the rest of the World Cup, I don't care, I'm not going to watch it, was pretty much the synopsis of, <laughs> of what he said. <laughs> stuff you lot, stuff you lot. If we're not in it, we're not playing. <laughs> I mean, you know, as a spectacle, as a as a sort of viewer, there is something gripping about the needle that's gone on in this tie and that I think the semi-final also has the potential for. I don't think this was a brilliant game of football, but that nastiness sort of underpinning it definitely kept it on edge. And I was thinking afterwards, are there any two tournaments, even having just sort of contributed the Van Gaal bit, which I suppose speaks for the Netherlands part, but are there any two teams more than Croatia and Argentina who like to wear that chip? firmly on their shoulder for a semi-final against each other because Croatia of course we saw earlier in the tournament with their response to the Canada coach saying oh we're going to F them and then the next thing you know he's posted and mocked up naked on the front cover of a tabloid and think about when they played England at the last World Cup and all the talk about how England were 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 sort of um provoking them somehow by by being um by talking about bringing it home. So Croatia know how to take any sort of perceived slight or perceived attack and turn it into, um, I guess, uh, fuel to drive them on. And Argentina's sense of injustice in this game was extraordinary. I, I, I know before we came on, Andy was talking about the Emmy Martinez interview and, and Leo Messi as well after the game was saying how awful the referee had been, even though I think we felt that some of the big decisions went Argentina's way, including Messi not being booked for an obvious handball. Um, so these two teams certainly know how to wear a grievance, as does Van Gaal. And it has made that whole side of the draw compelling. 
Well, uh, we've already talked about Emmy Martinez, but the, what I really should refer back to is the comment that I made at the beginning um, of this podcast, which was that free kick. That was amazing, wasn't it? It, it, it really was. It really was. And um, Wolfsburg did it before, actually. And Weghorst was at the end of it. So, I mean, to, to do it in the last minute of stoppage time, 10 minutes of stoppage time in a World Cup match where you get it wrong, you're going home. That's incredible nerve. But look, come on, Dotton, don't keep me from my favourite tweet of the World Cup. I know you've got something up your sleeve here. Come on. <laughs> okay, I know what you're talking about, Andy. <laughs> it's, it's a couple of tweets. When you have a conversation with yourself sometimes, you need at least two tweets. So this is from Addy on Twitter who says... Why didn't Burnley seal the deal with Mislav Ulsic and choose Valt Veghorst instead? He then replied to himself after the match and he said, uh, I've just reassessed my above tweet and and now know why we chose Valt. We need to recall him <laughs> now. <laughs> Go on, you laugh away. Yeah, no, he was brilliant though. He was brilliant. When he came on for the Netherlands, it just changed everything, you know? What Nicky was saying about Van Hal finishing with the Netherlands on his own terms, I mean, I, I'm not sure I can put into words how wound up people in the Netherlands will be about them playing like that, a Dutch side playing like that, just whacking it to the big men. Because it wasn't just him, of course, it was Luke de Jong as, as, as well in the final stages of, of, of that game. But um, yeah, only Van Hal. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One huge question ahead of uh, a massive, massive match for the entire continent of Africa, you could argue, um, is can Morocco do to Portugal what they did to Spain? First Arab team in the last eight, one of the big surprises, I think it's fair to say, in this World Cup. But have they peaked or run out of steam Andy where would you go with that well I guess in terms of have they got anything left we'll only know 
when they get to the game against Portugal because um, I, th- I think not just from a physical but from an emotional standpoint, there's a lot that's gone into that game against Spain. There's no doubt about it. Um, the 120 minutes, the penalties, spending most of it defending as well, which they did very, very well. I mean, Spain only had one shot on target, bear in mind. So it was only really in the penalty shootout that Bono had to do his stuff between the sticks. Now, um, obviously, there's the emotional end of it as well, not just because, as you say, Dotton, it's a huge step forward for, for Africa. It's an Arab nation excelling at the first... Middle Eastern World Cup, which is is huge as well. It's the connection with Spain, with you know so many of those players having been born and or brought up in 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 Spain, like Ashraf Hakimi um, scoring the winning penalty. Like Bono's been in Spain for a very long time as as, as well, um, and the nine hundred thousand Moroccans that, that that are in Spain. Now this is slightly different against Portugal because you don't have that heavy social context to it on the other hand that they've they've put a lot in and of course they had another sort of derby earlier in the competition when they played belgium there are huge um connections between um morocco and 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 belgium i think the other thing to to point out i would say nicky is it's a completely different game if portugal play like they do against switzerland not only are they a formidable opponent but they play with far greater vigor than Spain and it is a completely different game for Morocco to face yeah I, Portugal are now sort of in that one game became the great mystery of the tournament Jimmy because I, I thought I had a handle on who they were and Ronaldo comes out Ramos comes in and they're a completely different team so I don't know what to expect in in this game from them at all Morocco I think echo everything you guys have just said about how sort of positive it is to see them go this far in the tournament. Um, and, and I think they're capable of sort of hanging with anyone, but I don't think they're going to surprise you necessarily with what, with what they can get, can do in this tournament. You were asking Dotton about sort of which players could be sort of players that are going to be the next big thing, perhaps go somewhere. It's not a team packed with those sorts of players. If you think about it, the players who are big in this team are already at big clubs. Hakimi at right back, um, obviously at PSG, Masraoui is at um, Bayern Munich, Ziyech is at Chelsea, perhaps he shouldn't be at Chelsea, perhaps he should be at a team where he actually gets to play sometimes because he's 29 years old and turns out he's still quite good at football, even though he's not playing much at Chelsea. Um, but the the, the 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 core, the backbone that have been keeping things together, I mean, Bono in goal, the two centre-backs are all in their 30s. Um, Amrabat in central midfield, has had a sort of slightly strange time. He, he, he didn't, he lost the place, he, well, he couldn't win a place when he moved to Fiorentina ahead of Lucas Torreira. And now he's he's starting for Fiorentina, but I don't think he's sort of torn up trees there particularly. It's not a team that's got that sort of World Cup feel of it that you sometimes do see at World Cups of, oh, here's the new wonder kid. Who's, here's the one who's going to steal your heart and, and get an overinflated transfer fee. But they are just a team that, that works, that 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 knows how to play to its strengths, and and the strengths are, I think, particularly that right hand side with Hakimi and and with Ziyech, and and beyond that, really just being extremely cohesive and and not giving the opponent too many chances, and and taking the ones that come their way. Whether or not you can restrict this Portugal team that scored six against Switzerland, I have no clue because again, 
that was not the Portugal team that I thought I'd been watching at this tournament. That was something completely different. How Portugal approached this, I, I think, is, is really interesting. I agree, Nikki, because... I don't really know what to expect from them at all. Uh, th- th- they were they were terrible in in the, in the first game against Ghana. And they got away with it because simply because of the individual quality that they, they, they have basically um, much improved against Uruguay. But this thing against Switzerland just came completely out of left field, and a huge part of it you have to say is, is down to Gonzalo Ramos. Um, not just a hat trick, but the way he knitted the team together, as we talked about before, um, his movement, which is amazing and speaks for the fact that he's played as a number ten as as, as well as, as an advanced midfield player rather than just a centre forward. Even though he does have that strong fox in the box element to him, and he can score all sorts of goals. Um, what amazes me is that in the last day or so, there's been a lot of discussion in Portugal. Do they recall Cristiano Ronaldo? Now, the predicted teams in a few of the dailies in Portugal this morning, Saturday, as, as, as we're recording, suggest that it will be the same team that played against Switzerland with Ronaldo record instead of Gonzalo Ramos. Now, it was a huge call to drop Ronaldo in the first place just because of symbolically what he means and because of, because of his status. I think it would almost be as astonishing a call to withdraw Ramos and reintroduce Cristiano Ronaldo at this point because he's not going to be any match fitter, really, is he? Which I think is the is the major problem, really. His his movement off the ball is 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 the biggest problem for for Portugal, and we saw that in 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 terms of how they were able to swarm collectively over Switzerland. The only anywhere near convincing argument I have heard from it is. Because Morocco defend deep, you need someone who's amazing in the air, and that's Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, that's half a reason, but I feel it really is half a reason and not a full reason. You, you might regret that. You might regret that. Be careful what you say. No, I, I think Andy's nailed it. And, and I mean, look, the, the final that... I suppose to, to call back to what we sort of were talking about before, the final that would still represent the end of this great Messi Ronaldo era, with them squaring off in 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 the final, is still possible. So that that this World Cup has thrown up so many surprises on the pitch, so many things I wouldn't have predicted. That um, I, I I exclude nothing with this Portugal team. Who knows? Thanks for listening to today's OTC. Just a reminder that you can listen to our bumper England versus France preview pod with Marcus and Luke. It's just below this episode of OTC in your Ramble feed. So go listen to that episode and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.